Hi friends, welcome to the Blunt and Curious Podcast. This is Erica. And this is Sam. And we're learning to be authentic through having real conversations. So join us for this week's Blunt and Curious Pod. I want to just talk about how thankful I am for the space you've held for me and to talk about the experience of what it looks like to hold space for one another. Because Mm. we've both had some really interesting shit happened to us personally with our own emotions, our bodies, actually. Like we've both experienced like sick spaces and crazy family shit. And I've moved. <laughs> we yeah. um, both have been cyber bullied in the last month. And yep. it's you had a terror. There's so many things. So I think yeah. we could um, just how how have you been able to hold space for me I I kind of want to start there because there's some experiences that you have I want you to talk in depth about but how's it been with all the shit that's been going on for you to actually like hold space because you've held such honorable friend space for me and let me be honest and raw through all of the shit why you've had your own going Mm. going on I I appreciate you for saying that thank you um I think honestly not to sound like I'm bragging but it comes naturally to me and it fills my own heart space to hold space for other people um and to be able to be there for other people in that way and I think it helps even more that we both have things that are going on for us right now that are like causing us a serious amount of turmoil that it helps me it's like the commiserating that I think we've talked about before Mm. is like it's I feel like I'm not alone so it doesn't take away from or add to the stress that I'm currently going through to to hold space for you that way it actually almost helps me do my own processing to be able to do that for you because I know in the same time in the same space you're holding the same space for me as well you know like we are we are equally giving and receiving I think in this friendship and connection which is why I think we can have these conversations and why we can hold space for each other in that way I don't correct correct me if I'm wrong but uh no, I think that that is super valid. And I love that you brought into play what we had talked about in the sense of commiserating. I've referenced that so much in the last couple of weeks of just talking about mental health and the struggles. And sometimes it's, what's the point and how do we do it with each other? And how do we get, how do we exist? And I couldn't help but answer that question of how do we get to and why I do it's because I get to commiserate with badass people. <laughs> I'm Seriously. Not alone. I think, I think that is one of my life's greatest joys. And that may be really back ass words and weird sounding, but getting to co-commiserate with good people. is kind of what I live for. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's like, it's, we all are going through our own journeys of shit, right? Like, mm every single human on this planet comes here with a whole set of life lessons that are already kind of like it's laid out for you your life path Mm. is essentially laid out for you when you get here I mean these are my beliefs but it just it feels relevant and real um and we all have to move through our own life lessons and also acknowledge them as lessons because if we don't then we're just going to keep going through that same lesson mm. until it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and worse and worse and worse. So it's like, that's the whole point of life is right. Is like finding your, your team, your support system, your crew to go through these life lessons and changes with you and help you grow along the way. And if you're not doing that, then it's kind of like, you're just, living what you've been sold is, you know, the life you're supposed to live, right? You're checking the boxes and you're just moving through day to day. Like, this is what I'm supposed to do, but you're not happy with it because you're not confronting anything that you don't like, that you fear, that 
you know, is difficult or what have you. So it's kind of like, what would life be like if we weren't doing this? You know, I, I don't want to know, actually. I don't Uh, either. (laughs) um, I I don't want to know. And, and I think that it's uh, really important to also highlight. It's not always the negative um, that you're, so maybe the co-commiserating, co-experiencing, expressing, but it's also the joy and it's the celebrations that come in the moments of those life lessons. I think it's really weird to see it as a reward space or, you know, the, mm. the positive experiences of the trials. Um, but you also get to experience the joys and the positive moments amidst those spaces existing with others and in an honest and when you live honestly though and I think the more the more authentic that we've get to be and recognizing the need to exist together but to exist together we need to confront some shit we have to deal with it (laughs) Um, well and we we are being confronted with things right like I'll I'll start with my (laughs) confrontations of the past couple weeks um I have been well I there was attempted terrorizing I think is what I would call it on my property for living in a small rural town and having a Black Lives Matter sign I caught these three big trucks in the dark of night pulling up and stopping in front of my house, which is not something you would typically do on my road. And thankfully, because I was sitting there in my driveway, it turned my headlights on and scared them off. But I don't know what could have happened. It seemed like my property was about to be destroyed, you know, and it was definitely slightly terrifying to be home alone for that experience. Um, To then being harassed on the internet for word choice um for mild word choice on a comment on a public post and I'm not going to say that I know everything about what I'm talking about and about other people's experiences obviously but I am an ally and I am here to support and learn and I am open to constructive dialogue and conversation, what I'm not open to is terrorizing people, whether it's physically, verbally, emotionally, what have you. I'm not into that. And I don't think that we can get anywhere with that. And that's pretty much what I've been trying to say since it happened and still being called out for saying that. And like, it is what it is. Not is. I'm not for everyone, right? And I shouldn't want to be lovely quote I don't know where it came from I'll have to research that but uh but it's true you know I'm not for everyone and I don't want to be and I can only do as much as I can do right and I can continue to unlearn and relearn and go through that process but it is traumatic to be attacked in such a way that promotes a visceral response. It like triggers the fight or flight, which is what we were talking about the other day. Um, Yeah, it's been an interesting experience. I am very proud of myself and the growth I have achieved as a human for how I have recovered afterwards from these things happening. And I'm not sharing this to say, oh, poor white girl got scared. Um, you know, or name called or whatever. That's not what it's about. It's about raising the awareness that we're not going to resolve anything with that kind of behavior. There's no, there's no unity that can be created with divisiveness, you know? I, I think that that brings to an interesting point of just some of so many of the experiences that we've been having and a lot of the issues that have been relevant with family matters and scenarios of people and their hostility and anger it's so heart-wrenching to see the divide that has existed but there are so many things that we needed to be aware of and that need to be brought to light that 
required some of this divisive space to expose. But this concept of not even being willing to address someone with a humane response, I, I am baffled by, and I am the world's best at taking blame for being an aggressive person on online of my opinion and facts because don't it's not it's not an opinion space when you're talking about human life it just is right um and I've been very aggressive online as well but there's never a time where I don't pose a question or ask someone why and ask me the same thing have the decency to ask me why right don't don't instantly name call me or attack. Make assumptions. That exact that it's a it's a novel. It's it's that's what's coming from this is these novels of assumptions that you get based on looking at pictures of someone that you've never met on the internet. Like that's what I just don't understand. Is like when someone's coming in and and I wasn't coming in with name calling or accusing. Mm-hmm or anything of that nature, um, you know, apparently what I said was being, and I don't want to, I don't want to give this too much credit and too much airtime, but, um, what I had said was relatively simple enough where it could have been approached in a conversation. If, if what I said triggered you instead of going off and name calling, how about you just ask me why I worded it that way or why I see it that way, or clearly just say, Hey, this is a little triggering for me. Can we have a conversation about this? Right? Like I, and I have been guilty of getting in my fair share of, you know, social media arguments before, because sometimes there just is that feeling of like, no, I have these facts and I know this and it becomes that battle. But at the same time, I am now, because of this experience, I am now aware that the tactics that I was using before, they weren't as extreme Mm -hmm. as what's been happening to me, but it was the same kind of, it was creating the same kind of result. It was an argument that wasn't going anywhere, right? We weren't resolving anything from what was happening. We were just spitting our facts back and forth at each other, regardless of who's right, and just getting angrier as opposed to having a real conversation and I will give my dad credit right now and say that he's been trying to gently calmly calm me out um (laughs) in his own way because you know that there is some impatience in my generation and the generation below me and rightfully so but impatience isn't going to get us anywhere right and this was the light bulb for me in this moment it was like oh I'm I'm seeing the severe impatience in this reaction at the way we're trying to make change, right? Mm -hmm. Because radical change that I understand that these people want, that I want to, just isn't possible in one small change and one small move and one new administration. One new administration we already knew wasn't going to give us all the tools and abilities we needed to make real huge change, but it's a step. So this administration is gonna take a bunch of steps that don't look like steps of progress when we're in it. It's the same thing, we'll take it completely out of political context. It's the same thing with personal growth and Mm -hmm. trying to change any kind of habit or anything you wanna change about yourself. The changes are small daily changes that feel like absolutely nothing in the moment. And you even could critique yourself. I've done it before where I've been like, I'm not doing enough. I'm not doing anything. Like, I feel like I'm not doing anything. But then a year down the road, two years down the road, three years down the road, I'm a completely different person. I've completely changed, you know, this perspective. I've created this new habit. I've gotten rid of this habit. But in the moment, in doing the work, it didn't look like it. Right. And that's just, I think that's now that we've gotten completely (laughs) political, but like, 
you know? I don't think it's entirely political. I think that I would have totally wrapped into the personal growth concept as well. But I want to go back of just what the bullying experience and the internet struggle you experienced in the last 24 hours. Reality of it is we aren't going to see change in ourselves and the world in an instant, but it starts with steps to get there. And it's the commitment that's that turn into habits and the habits that turn into best practices that evolve us into healthier spaces. And so I think the new administration elect that we'll see in a month and a half, uh, I guess, take the stage. It's not perfect. We don't all love it, but we got to see that people were heard. The people were seen and we we made moves with the tools that we had and we're not going to stop until we do see justice, until we do see equity and equality. Like we won't stop, but we have to recognize it takes time. And just like with our self growth as humans. And I was thinking about just even our responses because we are very, both very quick to you know be passionate and show up and I'm the first one to call that aggressive behavior healthy and beautiful it has its place however last night my mom's friend um, made a statement about working on the concept of creating speed bumps because she's zero to 100 and um, she's trying to create the concept of like assume there's a speed bump the pause the pause to go into something with more empathy with mm. um more actual assumption of positive intent. If you want to take any assumption into a scenario, why not assume positive intent? And I think it's really funny and I'm saying all these things and I'm still learning these tools. I'm still very quick to my own trauma responses and aggressive behavior. And I get stumped sometimes and I, I, I do find myself exploding or creating even more chaos for my own well-being because I was so quick to assume the worst mm. and I it hurts my heart to see the div the divisive behavior of what I would imagine are truly good people the people that actually are on the same team to you, you know? want, we want to see the change they we want to see the same thing at the end of the day I would love to burn the whole system to the ground. I am with you on that. But the likelihood of that happening is none. It's not even slim to none. It's none. We're not, we're not going to make that kind of change. It's just not going to happen. So we have to continue with these small steps, accept them as what they are, small steps that are not perfect, but they're steps. The next time we take this step, we can do better. The next, you know, you know, like, it's like, we, we just strive to do better every time. And just like the way we react to things too, striving to do better every single time. Like it's pretty easy when someone writes a literal multiple paragraphs attacking your character that doesn't know you, it's really easy to fall into that fight or flight response trauma response and snap to defending yourself and trying to defend your honor and what have you to someone that you know doesn't really know you and doesn't care at the end of the day but like that that's your like initial response and reaction because it, it's just it's human nature right you don't know what else to do in the moment but the fact that you and I are becoming aware of that we do that and we are shifting in those conversations and shifting our responses and learning to, you know, like uh, mom's friend said, you know, put those speed bumps in and slow down and come with a little more empathy. That I think is what's going to get us real progress. And we just need to, we just need to keep showing up authentically as ourselves doing, you know, the best we can with what we have continuing to make progress and work forward and do our own work 
right? And just continue to show up in these as best that we can and hope that our example will inspire others to do the same and that we can, you know, and not just us, but anyone else doing the same thing can cause a ripple effect in their own community Mm -hmm. to the point where we can have these conversations with people we don't agree with, you know, and it doesn't have to be an instant argument. I think that it's super interesting to have to think about the need of progression that we want to see and considering a concept of a speed bump, it's not a stop sign. It's not a halt. It's not a change in the game. Um, So it is still okay. I want to justify and I want to clarify, not justify, I want to clarify right now. Um, There's an absolute halt of dealing with people that question somebody's existence or just their right to exist. Um, That, that is, there's no hope in those conversations. we're not talking about those things. (laughs) We're talking about those of us that are on the same journey with the same goal that want to see justice. We want to see the equality of humans and we want the people's voices to be heard and makes me think of where we have to start is with ourselves. And that's the only option. And Mm -hmm. a lot of it's, a lot of it's unlearning narratives that we've been told our whole lives of ways that we should show up or things that we are, ought to do or supposed to do or what we represent and those assumptions have been made for the world's time and existence there's been assumptions Mm. of a woman's role of what the patriarchy is supposed to look like of what our partnerships are supposed to look like in approved manners etc there's been assumptions to roles for our entire existence and I think that we're finally trying to learn for ourselves to disrupt that fucking narrative and to change the narrative. And I'm reading Stacey Abrams book, um, lead from the outside. Mm. And, um, but Stacey Abrams, seriously, the queen has done monumental freaking things for change and something that in her telling her story, everyone should read it or listen to her. She tells, reads her audiobook, but She's talking about as a black woman and the experience of having to unlearn the narrative of the assumptions placed on black women or in black women being the lower space of even cared about humans of not only Mm. are they black, but she is a black woman and like what that space looks like and going through the steps and she had a really amazing family and an incredible support system, but just the journey and the pain and but recognizing how many assumptions our culture has put on people and roles, responsibilities, it's destroyed us. And it is, Mm. it's going to continue to destroy us. If we keep assuming the negative, if we keep assuming the worst about people, if we keep name calling and not just pause for a second, like you need the speed bump, you know? And And I truly don't think it's possible to get to that place of, to see that, to experience that without co-commiserating with someone or multiple people. Um, We truly need each other. We need a community. We need the support systems of the co-commiserating, the being able to have reflection of the things that we're experiencing, the, even our own fears and being able to learn how to tell a story and express ourselves and through our story actually gaining so much knowledge of our own autonomy and I think there's so much healing in that and there's because there's revelation of self and it's hard to get there if you're not existing with others and existing in community and right going into spaces assuming the best about someone right I mean it's yeah it's the it's the assuming the worst and assuming the negative, like you said about someone and just going in with that hostile negativity. And it's like what I was all pissed off about in my story the other day, I was like, but it's true. Thinking about negative things is going to attract more negative things into your life. You are an abundantly blessed being every single friggin' one of you out there And you have the ability to manifest whatever you want. 
And that includes negative things too. So if you're only focusing on the terrible negative things, you're going to create more of that and bring more of that into your life. And if you don't see that as, you know, like if you don't see that you need to do your own work, then you're just going to like, your life is going to suck because all you're going to focus on is how much everything sucks and then everything's going to keep sucking. And it's just like, it's a circle. Whereas like you said, you know, us co-commiserating and having that ability to have these conversations, it's like, we can stop these negative thought patterns by having a genuine conversation and shifting the narrative and shifting you know, the thoughts and all of that, and maybe just even not shifting it to positive, if that's not something that we can do in that moment, but just cutting it off and being like, you know Mm -hmm. what, this isn't even worthy of more of my thought time. It's, it's definitely like having a network to do that with and be able to have those conversations with, and that support system is, I think what's most important for everyone, because I do think that to make progress, we all need to be doing our own work. But yes, you can't do your own work completely by yourself. Like it is up to you to do the work, but you are going to need help in some way, shape or form, whether that's therapy, whether that's a coach, whether that's friends that are willing to listen to you almost like therapy, right? Like whatever your needs, your team is, you're going to need a team to do your own work. And it's the end of the day, it's going to be up to you, but you still need that support system, right? To go through it because it does it's not all love and light. When you get to the scary, dark stuff, it is, it is scary and it does hurt and it, and you need help to not stay there too. Right. And to get out of it and be able to break through it and work through it. I I think that the term that keeps coming to mind and thinking about this and broader aspect of things that we need as humans, um, the focus on like having accountability partners, I think we neglect using that term, in situations where we should probably consider that more often of what it means to be accountable to someone in the sense of it's not out of an obligation, but it's that part of self growth of you're making commitments to yourself, um, maybe to reach a long-term goal or commitments to yourself to potentially change a habit or create a habit of best practice and we, we need accountability partners. We need people that we're focused on similar things with or that can hold us accountable to those things that we're setting for ourselves because it's really fucking hard to just stay accountable to yourself. That's a piece of it. You, it comes with the action. Like you, you have to put that thought or that thing to action. Right. But having someone else that you're accountable with someone that you know is cheer your cheerleader that is cheering you on that is assuming the best for you and assuming that even when you fail or even when you do fuck up or you needed to see something in a certain situation they're still cheering you on because at the end of the day it's somebody that wants the best for you And it's making sure that you're really diligent with creating that kind of community for yourself. And COVID has screwed so much of that in so many ways. And I know that a lot of people are not as lucky for it to seem tangible or possible. And I think that that's where I have so much genuine respect for you. We live 1500 miles away from one another and it is a distance of accountability, but it's still very real and transformative, necessary. I wouldn't know how to deal with not being able to co-commiserate in the ways that we have gotten to. Yeah, recently, I mean, even I am, last year, I am beyond grateful for technology and the developments that we've made that make it possible to connect with people no matter where they are. Um, because, you know, I am in this pandemic, I have spent months, nine months unemployed, nine months, mostly by myself. Um, And it didn't think saying that out loud would choke me up, but it did a little bit. Um, It's not easy, right? It's not, it's not easy for anyone to be 
mostly alone all the time, specifically with your own thoughts and feelings and stuff. And that is where it becomes difficult. I mean, in any situation, regardless of pandemic, it's difficult to hold yourself completely accountable. Um, And so, you know, to your point of accountability partners, it's really a necessary part of growth because they not only, you know, make sure that you're not giving up on yourself, but they keep you motivated and they keep you inspired and they are your biggest cheerleader. And, you know, that helps you continue. Like I, (laughs) without you, I don't know how this year would have gone truly, honestly, I don't because you remind me even still every day, how much work I've accomplished that I still have such a hard time even noticing on my own. Right. Right. Um, Yeah. Yeah. No, go ahead. (laughs) No, I just, I think that it's super necessary and I really like the term cheerleader too. And thought of that space that you're holding for people. I recently had a conversation with someone about therapy a true therapeutic relationship and what it looks, what they desire their therapeutic relationship to look like and how goals potentially can ebb and flow in therapy and coaching and accountability partners, et cetera. And I think that we have friends that may fit some of those holes differently than others, et cetera. And we may have real therapists or coaches, but um, the the ebbs and flows of the goals and how those relationships flow and what it looks like. And somebody was saying, they didn't really like the concept of a therapist being like a cheerleader, of it feeling awkward if the therapist spent the time celebrating them or seeing them as their best and not like owning the same shit that they're there to talk about, more or less. Mm. And I just, I, I kind of stopped in my tracks in that conversation and just read the room in the sense of all of us in this room need a damn good cheerleader right now. <laughs> and I, I was having self-realization in that, in that moment of we do a top-notch job way too often self-critiquing and self-sabotaging from our deepest desires, from our dreams, from our goals. And it's so funny. And I am literally the most guilty but recognizing how valuable a cheerleader is, how valuable it is to have someone that sees you. And Mm. um, I I definitely think it's important for it to be very honest and authentic. And there's going to, you may have to look at some shit, (laughs) but when that, when that person is seeing you, celebrating you, celebrating your successes and also sitting in the shit or helping you realize something in one of the successes that cheerleader is good. It's good for the soul. It changes how you look. Um, you, you, when you change your facial expressions, when you're telling that part of a story or experiencing something positive and somebody giving that you, when you give it, you feel better about it. When the more that we give, if we have that abundance mentality for others that we want the best And if we speak that, if that's the way that we engage first, like, Holy hell, what, how different would the world look like if we held each other accountable, if we were each other's cheerleaders, (laughs) you know, if we, I mean, truly wanted the best for everyone and not just ourselves, not just this selfish capitalist mentality that has been nurtured into us. Right. And by no parent's fault, it's literally the media and the shit that we're fed constantly that creates those inherent thoughts and and like assumptions and like thinking you need this is what it needs to be no it's not desiring millions and billions for yourself doesn't do anything doesn't even do anything for you at the end of the day because you you can make all the money that you want to make in the world and I guarantee if your only goal was to make a set amount of money and that was it just to have all that money for yourself, you would get there and you would feel no different and you would feel no better because you weren't prioritizing the needs of 
well, your whole being, first of all, you weren't prioritizing your emotional and mental needs. You were only prioritizing what you thought your physical needs would be and would create that happiness. And you're not prioritizing everyone else in the world, right? And that's, mm-hmm. that's what the bigger thing with abundance is it's not just believing you are deserving yourself, but it's believing that everyone around you is deserving and you want that abundance for yourself to also help everyone around you that will bring us all up and bring us all together. You know, I think that you just said something that's really key and something that perpetuates the division right now is I don't think a lot of people believe that they deserve or that Mm. they have the right to live or to exist in a communal way. We've had to exist in such that crazy ass fight or flight, self-survival, every man Toxic for individualism. Yes. And the, that has been perpetuated in our culture. And I, I think that it ultimately often boils down to, particularly when I have conversations with people that truly don't get it, um, they don't really believe for themselves that they deserve Things like freedom and equality and healthcare. They believe in the concept of working towards that freedom. And it's such a bizarre slave mentality of brokenness. And it perpetuates the systemic racism that we actually see in this country. And it's mm-hmm. creating the income inequality gap to just like even expand. And it's so fucking gross. And it truly boils down to people not even believing their own right to exist as who they are. Yeah, that's, that's huge. And that's something I often forget is that I'm even guilty of it too. Like not believing I'm deserving of the things that I want. Like it's so, it's so frequent. It's so easy to touch on because we're taught so many different things our whole lives that we have to, you know, work this hard, get this degree, then get this job then do this thing. And like, if you have a lot of money, you'll be happy. But then if you grew up in, you know, in a lower income lifestyle, you have that ingrained scarcity mindset. And you, it's, I feel like it's even harder to believe that you're worthy of good things because you have never really experienced it. And I'm, I'm speaking from, uh, you know, not a completely, I understand my privilege. I understand that I'm very grateful for, you know, my, my mother being in the position that she's been in. She worked really fucking hard to do what she's had to do. It wasn't, you know, a golden lifestyle where we had everything we wanted, but we also never had to worry about food on the table because mama's a hustler. It, you know what I mean? Like she, she worked really hard to make sure that wasn't an issue. So we had a relatively somewhat comfortable middle-class-ish life, but there were times that weren't easy. There were times that were harder than others. You know, a single, single parent income isn't still not, um, a lot and it can be hard. So, you know, I'm not, I don't want to sound like I'm speaking for other people's experiences, I guess is why I went off on that little tangent, but it's just yours. And that's what this platform is for is to actually live in your experience. And so I'm glad you just clarified what your experience looked like where you're coming from. I think that's awesome. Yeah. Um, it just, you know, I can empathize and sympathize with being in a situation where, um, you were worried about your needs being met and I can't completely understand, um, severely worrying about it, but I do understand how that can make you think that you're not worthy of it for sure. Yeah. I think, um, it's really interesting. We've often spoke, and I think it's telling of where our friendship is at, of our experiences. And I think we both hold honor and respect for one another for the diversity of our experiences that we bring to the table. We do favor and have some of similar external privileges of cis female hetero presenting, like for like, I don't know. I just I recognize those mutual privileges that we experienced together, but we definitely grew up different. But then we also had a similarity of what a single parent home looked like, even though you do have both your parents and it looked different. 
there's we get to empathize with one another and hold some of that shared mm. space and mm-hmm. um but coming from that and we've spending time and recognizing more so recently my own upbringing and how it impacts the narratives that we've and how many false narratives I've believed about my own successes, my own worthiness of, um, it, it, it's actually hard to say these words right now. Like mm-hmm. how bizarre that is of, I, I can see all of my faults so in the same exact moments and milliseconds of trying to celebrate an actual tangible thing that I've accomplished, that I did. I put the work in, like whether it be networking, whether it be uh, going to school and getting the piece of paper, doing, checking all the right boxes. Like I did a lot of work to get to a place and to have the life that I do and for what it looks like right now and who I'm trying to become and the freedom that I want to experience. And it's really hard to recognize it without then instantly wanting to should have done this, or mm-hmm. you don't deserve to be here because of that. And it's, it's this chaotic turmoil. I think many of us wrestle with often. the inner critic. Yeah. Yeah. That's the inner critic. Mine um, is named Susan. <laughs> I just, I named her last week in coaching. We named her Susan. So when she shows up and I recognize it, I go, hey, Susan. Hi. Nice to see you again. I appreciate you looking out for me, but uh, we're not going to go down that path today. All right. See you later. Bye. And I I never realized how huge it was to even name that and work through that in that way until now. Because just like I did it and days later it came up and I was like, oh my God, hi, Susan. And then I was just like, oh, wow, that method works for me. <laughs> like I can hey, differentiate my, my inner critic now. There's no shame in life hacks for tricking yourself. I actually have a coworker. We've been making the jokes about the way to trick ourselves into drinking more water and she had recognized that since working from home and COVID, she had stopped drinking water. And in that way of recognizing just what your body needs, our bodies need water. We should drink mm. water every day. And she is like, I used to just drink water all day in the office. I have my water bottle at my desk at home, but I never drink out of it. I never drink enough water in the day. And so I've been trying to figure out how to hack myself. So I decided I'm just going to start pouring the water from my water bottle into my coffee mug. Cause I leisurely can drink comfortably out of my coffee mug for some reason at home. And it's just like normal. Ah. So she's like, I hacked myself to pour it into my coffee cup. And now I've been drinking back to drinking a healthier amount of water. And I'm like, Oh my goodness, I need to see if I could life hack myself because I've recognized not traveling as much, not getting up and going and moving around, I've not been drinking as much water and I live at 5,000 feet of elevation. I don't get the option to not drink water. And so my body suffers, truly suffers physically. And so it's like, how can I life hack myself? And I realize at home, nine times out of 10, if I'm drinking out of a cup at home and everybody that knows me knows I'm going to have a straw, I'm likely drinking out of a tumbler of sort. Like I even travel with them. It's a thing I am. (laughs) And I feel like a really Southern, like actual, what's even the word stereotype right now? I, where's my (laughs) blonde hair and curls? I don't know, but I like a good tumbler and a drink with a straw always. And so I decided that I should, why didn't I have a straw? And I think about your straw and your now Jean. And so actually my water bottle, I could buy a lid that actually has a straw attached to it. And I've been back to drinking water. I've been drinking more water. I was like, hacked myself I am all for whatever you need to do to like brain trick yourself to healthier that's that's what it is I mean like that's the only way to overcome it your your brain is a powerful thing and it will make you focus on what it wants you to focus on until Mm -hmm. you train it to recognize 
what those focuses are and if they're helpful or not. And that's, that's been huge for me and mindset shifting. I just, and- no, go ahead. <laughs> no, no, I, I just, um, I'm grateful that we can have these, excuse me. I'm grateful that we can have these conversations too about it because I think, um, you know, just talking about it helps raise your own awareness and mm-hmm. kind of gets you to remember to recognize it in yourself. I think that that is the ultimate goal of the space I want to create in my life is this shared space for humans to celebrate one another, be honest, live boldly and recognize it's okay to be curious, recognize it's okay to not show up entirely perfect. You don't have to be perfect. You get to be just you. And sometimes it's not everybody's cup of tea. Sometimes it's, you need to fix it. (laughs) Um, You're not a broken person, but that response or behavior, that attitude may need adjusted. But it is only through these shared conversations about real human experience, real human emotions and shared life spaces that that's possible. And I think, you know, it's so funny of how different we are. I, I, I can't help but always laugh at your sensitive. I feel like you are the sensitive by nature. I just see you as softer, but it's so oh, funny because yeah. you're also like a hard badass. And like when I first <laughs> met you, like I was just like, you're such a tough bitch like there's no other like that is and but I still actually see you as both and it's really Mm -hmm. um it makes me laugh and you truly are both you are like a true (laughs) hustler but you are also super sensitive and I'm learning so much about learning from your family and your time at home of your personality yeah well I mean I also I will give credit to my big three in astrology being you know a Capricorn sun with like five planets in Capricorn but then also having my moon in Scorpio which is water sign emotions and the moon represents your emotions and Scorpio's like intense emotion and then my rising is Pisces so like I come off as a Pisces like sweet and sensitive and like whatever but there's very much a lot of Capricorn like intense sea goat on the inside so be careful because you fuck around and you find out and it's so funny because I think that I'm truly the reverse of you by a person we really should look at my chart like in well I was looking at your your I forget I think you oh I forget your moon but you're rising a Scorpio. And I was like, oh, that's a big part of why we're friends. <laughs> that Scorpio bond right there with the Leo sun identity. Like it's, um, I just feel like I'm polar opposite. I'm the tough ass, like from the outside of like, I come across as in certain situations because then other people, like the perception of me is actually that comforting and nice and like a sweet person it's really hard for me to say those words about myself (laughs) no but it's but it's there (laughs) but it's just like because your son your identity is leo which is very like fiercely independent like i am here i am in charge i'm you know like i this is what's up to then also having you know you're rising the way you present to other people be scorpio which is like Scorpio of all the water signs is not the one that you think of being sweet and emotional. They're like, Scorpios get dragged a lot and we need to work on this dragging people by their astrology sign culture. But, mm-hmm. um, but Scorpios are very passionate and intense, but they don't come with that sweet, super emotional nature. Like there's a lot of emotion in there, but it's usually like inside and it's kind of like, hard to get to which is why I think my Pisces rising is what makes me like the sweet emotional like open to be Mm -hmm. emotional and present as emotional like I'm totally okay with it (laughs) I'm looking up your oh Oh, you have you have an Aquarius moon which is an air sign um for your emotions which is like air is like you know associated with thoughts and ideas and 
I don't know sense. a lot about Aquarius, to be honest. Um, but it makes sense about how you, you know, you are a little bit tougher on the exterior and a lot more of it is internal until you get to know you. I think, I think that one thing that's always been interesting about myself and I've gotten to learn so much more actually in our friendship and living human experience of conversations together of talking through the, my feelings and my identity and tapping into though I never thought I'd be interested in cards or astrology in any manner there's a real freaking comfort in the being able to resonate with an understanding of yourself and the universe around you because we all are interconnected and I think that wherever your stance is on it truly going back to having a cheerleader and accountability partner having that positive Space reinforcement. Having the reinforcement. Yeah. And having that positive reinforcement of understanding of myself a little bit better allowed me to learn a bit more grace for myself as well mm. as others. Yeah. I've, I've, I've fucked up. Yeah. Definitely in the last year of like not having enough grace for someone at the onset, but I have exponentially seen a growth in my own self as I learned to have grace for understanding me and allowing me to show up more, I've begun to have a bit more grace for other people. There, are, I have hard lines. I have a lot of boundaries. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm very protective of my boundaries. I think that also I feel very, I understand a Leo identity of protecting space and protecting your family, your community. I am that by nature. I like, I get the Leo, I get it. Um, but I am very much concerned with others and love getting to see that as I've gotten more grace for their, for myself, I Mm. can have it for others as well, which is interesting. Yeah. I, I heard, um, I'm really bad at quoting people today. I'm like, Oh, for, I don't know, two or three, but I heard someone talking about astrology and they were like, I, it's impossible to not believe in astrology, it would be like not believing in Spanish or not believing in German. It's a language. It's another language to explain the human experience. It's literally mathematically calculated by the planets moving in the sky. Like there is, there is scientific real evidence to it that backs it up that like Though well, it because, seems like it's a belief, it actually really has real tangible like evidence. If you want to really research it, you know, there are multiple times like when we see people and I know it's becoming more popular, so we're seeing more of it. But when we see people post about specific transits and they're like, well, this hasn't happened in this many years. And the last time this happened, you know, the last time we had this transit, this happened. And it's like this big thing that happened in the world. It's like, okay, let's take a peek at that and look at how, you know, we get the sayings, history repeats itself because this transit repeated itself and, you know, the effects of these energies and all these things. And I'm not saying like, go out and learn astrology because it's really freaking hard, but I'm just saying like, give it a little more credit than maybe you're used to giving it because there is a lot of real context to it. And I just loved how they put it that way, that it like, it's a language, it's not a belief system. I, I love the thought of it as a language. And that was what I was going to say, because I think that it truly the, the aspect of the energy, it's, I think it's really hard to, as humans, for us to grasp the connection between the spirit and real, like a hard science and spirit being integrated in any capacity. And I think that it's truly at its core essence. When you think about the energies that connects us, that connects us to the creation of this universe of how the stars are aligned and where the planets are positioned and what the pressure of the air is truly determines our human experience. And there are scientific, there's scientific evidence of how those pressures change and what that creates and what Mm -hmm. happens to all the things like you can't deny it, but because there is such a correlation with a true spiritual experience of self-awareness, because I think that the true spiritual experience is self-awareness and 
it allows you self-awareness allows you to see others too I believe because you're not constantly um fighting to create an image you're just existing but I think that that confuses us as humans I think that it creates a disconnect for us to celebrate getting to know more about those energies and what it looks like but for me, being able to have grace for myself, being able to see more of myself and something that I wouldn't have ever believed in. There's no way. Mm. And it's just, it's just so funny of getting to deal with real human experience, getting to commiserate with somebody that is so polar opposite of me that literally actually stood for everything five years ago. I would have been like, I'm going to go to hell for this. Um, to be the person that I've like learned so much with. And I feel I've gotten to gain um, more of an ability to sit with interconnectedness to creation and appreciating mm. like the the stillness of everything that makes me yeah and it- yeah and now that we're now that we're at that point um, <clears throat> talking about cards and stuff I will talk about our card that I pulled for today we got again our friend Sullis, bodies of water spend time near water such as a lake river or the ocean to recharge your batteries so I think I might have to drive to the ocean after we're done with this just to even even if I just look at it from the car if it's too cold <laughs> um should I read the message I think so okay Message from Sullis, water's curative effects are well known and well documented. Since the human body is composed almost entirely of water, this makes sense. Water can wash away sadness, pain, and the ill effects of suffering. Engage in purification rituals involving water more often, and you'll experience an uplifting in your spirit and outlook. Water's magical properties are amplified when you infuse it with your prayers and intentions. Whether you soak in a sea salt bath or bathe in a freshwater spring, you're sure to see the difference water will make. Mm. Yes. And I think that's so relevant to our conversation, right? Like we started out talking about a lot of things that have been getting us down and affecting our energy and, you know, interfering with us making progress or what feels like interference with progress because we're so distracted with this negativity and and kind of wrapped up in it but I think Sullis jumped up today for this conversation to say hey you know it is okay and water can support you with that even just crying right I did cry at one point and that is water that is relief that is release that is healing too you know there's so many ways like even if I've said it before when I've talked about solace even if you don't have access to water in nature you don't have access to rivers lakes ocean whatever you pretty much have access to water in your house you know even if you don't have a bath you can take a shower um you can drink a glass of water you know like there's there's so many ways you can tap into um, the healing properties of water because we're made of water, right? Even drink more water that we've been talking about. There's one too, right? I, I love that. I am just so thankful for the healing properties of water and recognizing the necessity. And I appreciate Solus for being a part of my life now of having a better genuine respect and understanding than I did before a year ago of ever seeing cards. But, um, because I, I've always known that there was something healing about water for me, but I didn't have words for it or know what that looked like. Even in Christian faith, you get baptized by water. Like it's a rebirth, it's a recreation. It's it's a washing away of the dirt and the gross and cleansing, purifying. And, and the way that I grew up in my Christian faith and many similar in Protestant life, evangelical life, um, it's once it's a one in a one time thing. And I, I think that that created a chasm for me to sit and enjoy and recognize how much I need it, how much I need the water. Mm. And I remember starting 2020 at, in San Diego with 
like in getting to San Diego post experiencing Mexico, like going to Mexico and having some time by myself and the water and the gift of the humans that the universe sent to me at the water and um, to then San Diego. And I needed to, I needed to feel healing and it wasn't getting in. We didn't go swimming, but just being there, recognizing Mm. And I've been able to tap into that. I know it's it's rough if you don't have a opportunity for a true like soak tub or what have you, but a good hot shower is good. I've had to count on that for the last couple of years. But now that I have a soak tub, I've been trying to be really diligent with sitting, like being able to let the water cleanse or nurture to what healing that I need and so it's been it's been different in the days that I've gotten to take that time but it's really cool to recognize how healing just letting water be a part of you and then going back to just drinking it Um, yeah drinking water is so transformative and water in general thank you Celis we love you Celis thank you for reminding us how important water is to life um and on that note I think we'll end it for today this was a wonderful conversation I think we really we really went there and I even feel better just after having this conversation thanks for doing a real human experience with me with me and allowing room for all parts I don't know yeah it's a definitely a damn gift I want to honor and cherish. So I appreciate you. Always, of course, I appreciate you right back. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of The Blunt and Curious. You can find us on Instagram at The Blunt and Curious Pod. And if you like what you're hearing, please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Your support, ratings, and reviews help others find us as well. And again, thank you so much for taking time to go on this journey with us.